0: We'll mm-hmm. Welcome to the Town & Country Podcast, Two Churches, One Ministry. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful day here in Cedar Falls. I am your host, Jonathan Ilian, and welcome to this edition of the podcast. In this episode, we have returning to join us Pastor Kevin Richter, who is the pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in Rhinebeck, Iowa, and Reverend Dr. Jero Kapanka, who is the pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Last week, we gave you a hint that things were going to be a little different for the next several weeks. In the past set of episodes, we took a look at the book of Ephesians and our two pastors chose to write on the same chapter of Ephesians, but the sermons that they preached would invariably be different from one another. For this series, our pastors are collaborating and working on producing a more precise outline structure upon which they would build their sermons, so the message that they preach will be very similar. So for this week, our pastors are focusing on the book of Haggai, and what you will be hearing today is a summary of how they came to an agreement on what they would include in their sermons. Therefore, what you're going to be hearing is more about the process of how they constructed their outline and the basis for their sermons, which will be preached on Sunday, February 25th. So without further delay, I give you Pastor Kapenka and Pastor Richter discussing the book of Haggai. All right, so here we are looking
1: at the prophet Haggai and what we're going to do with this in terms of preaching this minor prophet. I guess where we begin with is just beginning a sense of who is Haggai, what was his intent, what was God's Purpose in calling him as a as a prophet, and, and what was the the idea? So some background history: um, the people of of uh, Israel had been in captivity; uh, they had uh, been taken into uh, Babylon. Uh, they have now been returned to uh, Israel. They have been returned to Jerusalem. Uh, they immediately came back and and with the idea of starting their their. Uh, rebuilding the temple. And I think in the first year, they rebuilt the altar, um, but then they stopped. Uh, the, the idea of rebuilding that holy temple paused for, what, 15 or 16 years, and they got busy doing their own thing. Uh, they went to their own houses. They got kind of their priorities fo- focused on, you know, building our own lives, and they forgot about God's house. And it's into this setting where God sent the prophet Haggai to say, uh, hey, folks, uh, tap him on the shoulder and say, you're, you're, you've got your your uh, ideas mixed up and you need to, to build my house first, um, and get things going. Is that kind of how you read this and and saw this?
2: Yeah. I mean, when you read some of the minor prophets, you're like, what in the world is going on here? You know, hey guys, pretty easy to just, it's not poetry. It's not, you know, doom and gloom. It's more just straightforward talking and it's got one clear message, you know, build the temple. God wants you to build the temple. And so I think we both kind of came to this one not with two separate ideas and trying to find the middle. We came together and said, it's about the temple. Okay, so what is the modern-day version of the temple? The church. And what is the modern-day version of, you know, the church versus our homes and that stuff? So we got to that. But, you know, yeah, we kind of worked through, you know, this one's got two chapters instead of one. Hey, you know, Obadiah only had one chapter, so we were able to kind of use all 21 verses versus, hey, guy, now we're getting into two chapters. we got to kind of pick themes and, you know, parts of it just to have a concise sermon. And so... We we used some stuff, skipped over some stuff, but we really focused in on the temple versus their homes, and that's what Hey guys showing up to prophesy on and preach on, yeah.
1: and their prioritization. The yes. fact that you know when they had come back, they they'd come back with a sense of eagerness of, of being returned back after being in exile for seventy years, um, but how quickly they they'd gotten diverted from you know coming back to the house of the Lord to coming back to the house of me, yeah, um, and and how easy it is for us. You know, we get excited or, 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 you know, we've completed our confirmation or maybe we've, we've uh, finished our time in the Lord and we just kind of get busy with our own lives.
2: Well, and also, I mean, you need to put yourself in their shoes and see that this is purely human. Um, yep you know they've been away for 70 years and, yeah. and even though they've been back for a number of years it's it's they've still been gone longer than they've been back you know and man think of us we missed three or four sundays it, you know it takes a a habit to get into going again you know it takes intentional effort of getting up getting dressed going to church you know and so being on for 70 years where they had no temple they had no altar they weren't making sacrifices you know there were some things they could do in home churches but they weren't pra- exactly, actively yeah. practicing their religion to come back and start that all over again just It took time, just took, you know, motivation from God and his prophets to really get them to that. And so you can't fault them. You know, you you can see this. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the examples I had in my head that I I just kind of threw out the window. But if you were to go down to Mexico with a Habitat for Humanity and build houses and you're going to build a whole village and you show up and they they say, okay, here's there's nothing out here. We're going to build, you know, 20 homes. What's the first question you're going to ask yourself? Where am I sleeping tonight? You know, like (laughs) I don't even see a tent. Where, where am I supposed to stay while we do all this work, you know? And so it makes sense that let me build my house first and then we'll build, we'll do this because I need to take care of meat, you know, and that's just human nature. That's, that's in all of us. So.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, taking off the natural reality of the fact that while they were in that captivity, they remained relatively faithful to the God to the best of right. their extent without the sacrificial system. Yep. Um, they must have felt that God had had remembered them and had returned them, uh, you know, to Israel, and so they really didn't have a problem with the fact that, you know, we haven't been making these sacrifices for a long time, and so it wasn't elevated to the place of importance in their life, and so you're absolutely right at this idea that, you know, it was natural for them to say, you know, we got the altar built and that's all we need for right now, and let's get on with our lives and and kind of set aside the importance of building the remainder of the temple.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they obviously kept their faith alive because as soon as Cyrus writes the edict, there's a group ready to go. You know, they're they're motivated. They're believers. Zerubbabel's governor, you know, you got Josiah the high priest. You know, they're ready to reset it up. Something like
1: 55,000 of them returned. Yeah, Yeah.
2: and so, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah, we're God's people. We're doing what he wants and doing this, and, and it's okay, you know, and so it's just that both, and it's not that they're opposed to God or slacking off to God, they feel like they're really doing what they're supposed to be doing, and and it's not till they're called out that they see, okay, there actually is an error in our way.
1: Yeah, and and that, again, I think the, the relevant point that for us today is that it's so easy for us to get caught up in our day-to-day lives, isn't it? We, we get, it's not that we're not Christians, it's not that we're faithful, we just get busy with li- things in life today, and we kind of get out of practice or out of habit of of taking care of business, if you will.
2: And not to, I mean, if you feel convicted, that's on you, but, you know, how many Christians out there feel perfectly fine going to church once a month? I'm I'm part of the church, I attend regularly, quote-unquote, whatever that, how I define that, you know, it's not that I don't go, it's not that I don't want to go, it's just I go enough, you know, and I'm a Christian, and I live this Christian life without actively pouring this into the priority of your life. Or the
1: the thing that we run into, and and I'm sure other congregations say the same thing, you know, we're big advocates of uh, electronic giving. You know, know, your weekly checks, it's just automatically deducted. When's the last time you've looked at your regular giving? Oh, Well, it's been three or four or five years, and I I give every week, but I haven't given in commensurate to what's been given to me. It hasn't changed. You know, I, I am a steward, But I just, it's out of sight, out of mind, and and I go on with my business, and it doesn't change, you know, I don't give special offerings, because I give every week. You know, that same idea. It's just, I'm not a bad person, I'm just not conscious of what I'm doing.
2: Same thing with prayer life. When something happens that I can't figure out, I turn to prayer, but daily, you know, morning and evening, and throughout the day, good and bad, am I in conversation with God? Yeah, probably not, but, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe, and when I need Him, I go to Him, you know, and so, yeah, it's just this comfort place of complacency that's like i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and it's enough you know it yeah it, it will get there and and god has a different message through the prophet Haggai of nope it's time to you know to strap up and get to work, you know, and, and get back on what I asked you to do and, and instructed you to do. So,
1: yeah, so I think we, we both came in with that general sense of what, what Haggai was, was called us to do and, and how that connected to where we are. And so, how do we take that, that big picture and say, let's build an outline out of that that you and I can then take and work with to build a sermon from? So, where do we begin, and how did we start building that outline?
2: Yeah, we, I mean, we kind of took the focus of God's, you know, instruction through the prophet is to build the house. And, you know, we grabbed some key text there. You've, you've got, uh, let's see here, uh, i got to find it. The, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? You know, you... You're living in luxurious houses. You don't just have walls. You have paneling on the walls, (laughs) you know, Um, which is funny because everybody growing up in 70s is like panels luxurious, you know, but, uh, (laughs) um, you know, that their houses are almost complete and completely done. And the house is still sitting here in ruins, barely even started, you know, and then you get down to later on in verse nine and, you know, they're asking, why is nothing really going the way we thought it would? Our crops won't grow or, you know, these things aren't going as well as we thought they would. And, and God says, why? Because of my house that lies in ruin while well, each of you busies himself with his own house. And I think that was a key phrase that stuck out to both of us, because whether that's, you know, rebuilding the temple or our lives today, how many of us are busying our lives with our own homes, our own families well, God's house is in decline. Well, God's yeah. house is sitting there, you know, and, and and again, we're not talking about a physical structure. I think we came to that right. point pretty early on. Yeah. You know, we've all got nice buildings. You guys got like a brand new building. It's really nice. But is it full every week? You know, is everybody here as strong as they could possibly be in their faith? Well, absolutely not, you know, and so there's still work to do. We still are building God's kingdom, building the house of God here And we can't do that if we're so busy doing our own lives.
1: Yeah. And from a homiletical or from a preaching standpoint, you take a look at that. Um, And how many of us are able to make that connection between the fact that my life isn't going the way I thought it would be and it's not as bad and suddenly say, maybe the reason that is, is because I haven't been as faithful to my Lord and all the things he's asked of me. You know, we we would like to blame you know the government or my employer or my wife or my family or you know, a thousand other things before to say maybe I need to look at what is my relationship with God, and I think that's what Haggai is saying is that you need to look and say where are you in a relationship with God, and then say maybe that's a part of why your life outside of your temple, or outside of your your church isn't what you think it should be.
2: Right, and this isn't like some kind of works righteousness. No. You do the works, no. God blesses you, you know, I merit, earn it. This is simply, when we live the way God has instructed us to live, things go well. It's built into that lifestyle for us. It's just his, it's why he wants this life for us versus when we get focused on doing it ourselves, then things don't go well, you know, and that's not God's blaming of, you know, smiting us in order to bring us back to it. It's just simply the natural law he built into creation. When we live according to his will, there are blessings tied to that. When we go outside of his will, there are consequences tied to that. So, yeah, seeing that, okay, my life is good, but there's a lot of things I still struggle with. There's a lot of things that I just stress over. There's a lot of things that, you know, man, I think of Psalm 127 right away, you know, eat the bread of anxious toil, you know, early to rise and go late to rest— God gives to his beloved sleep. You know, there's there's a life built into this that God has given us. So when you're so busy trying to make your own life and things aren't going as well, how is your relationship with God? Are you living according to his will and coming back to being part of his house? And again, this kind of speaks to, you know, all I need for my faith is me and my Bible, you know, me and Jesus. And yeah. it's, God has something <laughs> different to say, you know, that um, absolutely we are to be part of the church and building his house first you know and so
1: so in terms of building our our sermon outline you know we began with that reality of the the history of our lord and that haggai called them out for their misplaced priorities um and then he calls us into building up the church, and, and how did we take that and say this isn't just building up the temple? Um, you you kind of touched on that a little bit. Do you want to elaborate that a little more?
2: Yeah, to me, this is a big one. You know, you read all the evangelism model, modules, models and everything out there, and of course, every church wants to grow in numbers. We want more people, and that's, that is a task. Go make disciples of all nations. We want to bring more people in because it's more souls saved but there's so much more to evangelism and discipleship and building God's house than just butts in the pew. You know, it's right. not just attendance. And so what are we doing for those who are in the pew to grow their faith, to turn yeah. them into the ones actually living by God's faith, to, to seeing their identity as in Christ and, and, you know, in the sacrifice of the cross, they are forgiven of their sins, not by what they're doing, but by what he has done for them. So yeah, we took this that the building the temple, building the church today, building the house of God is twofold. One, more people, absolutely. We always want to be reaching more people. But two... Building ourselves up, equipping the saints. Man, you know, just fresh off Ephesians, you go back to Ephesians 4, you know, yeah. God gave prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip all the saints to a mature knowledge in Christ, you know, and so this is growing God's house. This is the purpose of us being here as his one body is to equip everybody in the body to grow in in their faith and maturity in living his life.
1: That sounds like a good sermon that you're writing there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, if I were you, I'd want to listen to that one.
2: <laughs> I didn't get to touch on that because there was too much in the rest of the chapter. But
1: now we did. We did decide to hear. There, there's also a place for us to to um, brush up against stewardship. You know, the time, talents, and treasures, and and how does this uh, tie into the message of Haggai?
2: I think it's that also is kind of twofold because we want to be careful to not make people feel guilty for being good parents and raising their kids and, and, you know, having a clean house or a nice house or things like that. Right. I mean, Haggai does not come to the people saying you built your house. That's a sin, you know, like, you know, it's a good work to build your house. It's a good work to busy yourself with your family to a degree, but it's gotta be in the proper order. And that's all stewardship is, is keeping everything in the proper order. So you can build your house, you can use your resources for your own family to a degree, but you still want to keep the top priority of, serving God. And so yeah. you know, how am I using we we threw the t- the three big T's out there, yep. time, talent, treasure. How am I using my time to to serve God and build up his house? Both in those two natures. And I, you know, I I think I if I can remember my manuscript, I really hit home on all three of these T's in both time, you know, time for breaching the lost and time for equipping the saints yes. already in my church. Yep. How am I using my treasure to reach the lost and proclaim the gospel where it's not being proclaimed? And fund the ministry where it's happening that are supporting Christians who are already Christians. How am I using my treasure to or tr- talents to go serve those who have never been served with the love of Christ before? But how am I using my talents to serve my brothers and sisters that I see every week to build them up in their faith? You know, and is my time, talent, treasure being used holistically for my family, my life, building up my own house? Or am I using the the priority, the first part of it, the important part of it, to build up God's house and then still using what's left to faithfully serve my family and me?
1: So good, so good. Um, And then we we thought that we needed to bring this back to the the end of chapter 2 where he talks about uh, the the signet of Zerubbabel. Now, that just seems a strange kind of a phraseology and language that how does the signet of Zerubbabel Relate to the message of priorities uh, of rebuilding the temple of of getting your your life in order.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's stuff in chapter two we decided not to bring in because I mean we could make it fit, but it'd be a two-hour sermon, and yeah. so we kind of went to the end. And you know, Zerubbabel is a descendant of David, and so he comes back as governor. They don't you yep. know don't call him king. I think they've learned their lesson about having yep. a king, so <laughs> they call him governor. But really, he is in that kingship role over these fifty-five thousand people, or how many of there are he's the ruler and authority and, and a signet ring, you know, you, you push the ring into the wax and it seals it as a, a, you know, sealed. And so he is that signet, that seal of the King who is to come from his own lineage and establish the throne of his great, great, great grandfather, David, or whatever it is, you know, that will establish the throne of David forever pointing to Christ. It, it, it brings us right home to Jesus. And that reminder that we don't need a, uh, altar to make sacrifices on because the sacrifice has been made on the cross we don't need a physical temple the church is the people you know the house of god is are his children you know the one body of christ and so this just kind of takes it to the gospel of instead of law how are you using your time how are you using talent how are you using your treasure this reminds us why we do all these things why does god want his house being built up because it proclaims Christ.
1: And, and that, to me, was, was the very essence of why it was important to finish the temple, was because this was pointing to the gospel comer. This was that you finish this temple, this place of, of sacrifice, because the great sacrifice, the, the final David, the final Zerubbabel, the, the great uh, sacrifice, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world is coming to us. Um, and that just ties it all together.
2: Absolutely, because, I mean, what is the purpose of the Church? To proclaim the gospel to the people in the world. But why do we have a physical building? You know, why why do we meet here every Sunday in a physical space? Why do we have a budget that pays the light bills and salaries and all this? Like, why do we have that? because this is where we come hear the gospel yes. Christ proclaimed. This is where we come receive baptism and, and the Lord's Supper and feed our faith to go out and do the work he has called us to do. The house of God is the people. The church are the people, and yet we need to be together. We need to have that place where we come support and encourage and grow each other to be able to go out and do the you know the lost, and that's why we need people to die to the church and give. You know, We need people to serve and use their treasures. We need people to give time to come teach and learn and grow and serve, you know because we need that place where we come be the church together so that we can go be the church in the world and all of it's to proclaim Christ.
0: Now,
1: the real interesting thing is to say, take what we've just shared here and say, what's this going to look like when we actually preach it?
2: <laughs> well, you got to come on February 25th. That's the date. Come on that day and you'll find out. So yeah, you know, again, I talked about it last week with Obadiah. You know, my original vision was word for word, exactly the same sermon. That that just is impossible with two different preachers. And So we we came up with the one outline and then we came up with different manuscripts so even though it's one outline one theme one message you're still going to hear two different sermons so you can listen to them and compare and see who's the shorter because we know, all know that's what people think is best but...
1: <laughs> well you also know who's the better preacher so uh well we're going to save you voting me off the island until at least uh, i get you know, immunity idol or something
2: well i like how today you just ran the outline and made me do all the preaching so that was that was <laughs> sneaky i like that that's good. well i'm, I'm going to rewrite
1: my sermon before yeah. we get there <laughs>
2: No, this has just been such a fun process to have yeah, two preachers' been... minds come together and look at the text and, and really say, hey, if we got to boil this down to one message, one outline, what fits, what doesn't. You know, It doesn't give us room to go off on tangents and get lost on other stuff, but to stay focused on what's the heart of the message. And just so cool, you know, I think we've brought it back with Obadiah and now Haggai, that this text written 2,600 years ago still applies to us today and is still speaking to our lives. It's just so cool.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the fact that you you make me a better preacher because uh, you have some great ideas and and perhaps there's a few tidbits that I can share with you but this iron sharpens iron this this um, allowing each other to, to take this and make this has been a, a great experience for me uh, something I wasn't looking forward to because <laughs> I wasn't sure what it was going to look like but I'm so thankful that we did it
2: it's been a lot of work but now that I'm looking at all my Sunday sermons are done for Lent it's like oh that's pretty nice so yeah.
1: all right well thank you and we'll look forward to seeing what, uh, what the Lord turns out with us
0: Thank you for choosing to join us for the Town and Country Podcast Two Churches, One Ministry. We invite you to come back next week as we bring you the next episode in this series on the Minor Prophets, which will be on the Book of Nahum. Once again, special thanks goes out to our audio engineer, Mr. Dave Kaler, for setting up this podcast. You are awesome, sir, and we thank you very much for your help. On behalf of Pastor Kevin and Pastor Kapenka, I am your host, Jonathan Illian, and we invite you to come back next week as we bring you the next installment of the Town and Country podcast. Thanks again and have a great week.